back to Click Connect. I'm your host, Craig Sullivan. And it's time for another episode. Click Connect, and it's being brought to you by our good friends at Red Roof Franchising and Chicago Title National Commercial Services Group, California. Both groups love to hear from you. Give Matt Hostetler a call over at Red Roof. They're going to open up like 50 hotels this year. They're a great alternative. They've got you know a soft brand. They've got extended stay. They've got their economy brands. Matt's got an outstanding team coast to coast, and they'd love to hear from you and let them know that producer Danny and I sent you. And as you all know, and I've been preaching, okay, every real estate transaction is important. You've got to have the ability to close on time. Call our friends at Chicago Title National Commercial Services Group, California. You've got Ryan Huntsman. You've got Stephen Semp. You've got Stephanie Zappalak, and they can help you with your title and escrow needs and get your transaction closed on time. So, and let them know that producer Danny and I sent you. Without any further ado, I would like to welcome. She was a little girl the last time I saw her. I've known her parents for a lifetime. Pooja Patel, Esquire. How are you? Welcome I'm to the great. show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I can't believe you're grown up and an attorney. You're really making me feel old, which isn't a bad thing. <laughs> With age comes wisdom, so we'll give you that. Well, I don't know. I think producer Danny would correct you on that one. She didn't hear some <laughs> of my ideas. So. <laughs> Pooja, do me a favor and tell the audience about yourself and your law firm, please. Sure. Uh, so... Pooja Patel. I am the managing attorney of DPA Attorneys at Law. Our firm was founded as a resource to hotel owners and a law firm that specializes in hospitality law. We do litigation work as well as transactional work. And of course, our background in owning and operating and developing hotels ourselves uh, kind of gives us an upper hand and a practical knowledge to our legal aspects. Uh, you know, I think that is a great idea because you were brought up in hotels, you and your brother both. You've seen the trials and tribulations and the agony and the ecstasy of developing and repositioning hotel assets, working with brands, working with law firms, working with attorney, with uh, lenders and various other third-party professional. So I think that's that's just, I think it's a natural that, that really doesn't happen that often. So kudos to you. I mean, this is, this is just wonderful. Um, let's talk about the California legal landscape. What are you seeing out there? So, of course, California is the most litigious state out there. And we are seeing, as normal, Lots of employment lawsuits, huge uptick in bed bug lawsuits. Uh, landlord tenant disputes are now coming to the fold. But one thing in particular that we're seeing a shift in between the last couple of years are these ordinances that are getting passed on a local level. These are putting more parameters and requirements in place that's really stifling hotel operations. And on the transactional front, we're seeing a lot of real estate transactions, lots of project home key transactions that are happening. 
And even during COVID, there was a lot of purchase and sales happening. And as in California in particular, I think we're always going to have those trades going on. And so transactionally, we're still kind of in the same frame that we've been in for the last couple of years. I agree with you. And I think, you know, the state buying, you know, older assets in, in most cases and converting them to, you know, a housing supply, uh, it's, it's a double-edged sword. And I, I can't imagine what all the legal ramifications are going to be. And also, I mean, we've got a ballot measure in 2024 in the city of Los Angeles where, you know, if you've got a hotel and you've got inventory that hasn't been sold, you're supposed to call the city at 2 p.m. and they're going to send somebody over with a voucher. And, you know, I, I one, it's, it's not safe for the associates at the property level. Two, it's not safe for the guests. And three, I don't even want to imagine the damage done. And also, if you have to call the police to now get them evicted, uh, you know, or off-site. I, I, I think litigious was the right word. I mean, we've got a super majority up in Sacramento, and that's never a good thing, whether it's Democratic or Republican. Um, these guys need to figure out how to work together, and we've got to take a lot of this stuff off the back of the small business owner operator, just because you may see Marriott on the building or choice or IHG. It's a small business. It's a family business. You were raised in this business. It's, it's not some faceless corporation, you know, on the other side of the country. Um, how, how are you dealing with the employee lawsuits? I mean, I, I, Got to imagine the pace on that's picked up post COVID. And I think there's, there's more things now. I, I'm one who believes that the entire HR book needs to be rewritten. Okay. I I'm adamantly opposed to it. And I gone on record several times of saying, I think HR directors are nothing more than glorified bathroom monitors. So, <laughs> but that's my opinion. Um, what are you seeing out there with employee lawsuits? What are you seeing with HR, you know, and those type of things right now? So for us at DPA, our biggest mission is to educate hoteliers, whether that's the hotel manager, hotel supervisors, or hotel owners. We try to have as many webinars, seminars, attend conferences to get that information out. There are a number of things that hoteliers can do to mitigate their risk of liability when it comes to employment lawsuits. It's pretty cut and dry as to what the requirements are and how to comply with the law to avoid these lawsuits. I think I would say about 85% of the employment lawsuits that come into our firm are wage and hour related. Wage and hour is very black and white. And I think the best way to defend against these lawsuits is to ensure that you have an employee handbook. So many times I go to conferences and I ask a simple question, who in here has an employee handbook? And I think maybe only 20, 30% of the room ends up raising their hand. And this is something that we've been preaching for years now. 
And for whatever reason, it's just, I, I think it's mostly, you know, they don't want to spend a couple thousand dollars on an employee handbook. And then it's almost reactionary when the lawsuit comes in, that's when, you know, they want to do something about it. And, and, and then as unfortunate as that is, uh, it's really just not the best practice. And the employee handbook, of course, spells out all of the policies and procedures of a hotel. If a certain hotelier owner doesn't know necessarily what the law is or needs help determining what provisions need to be in there. We've got standard, you know, protocols and procedures that we also implement into the handbook based on, you know, what we would implement at our own hotels. And so I think that's the best line of defense. And of course, rest breaks, meal breaks, those are the number one items that get alleged in these complaints that hotel owner or manager was not giving me my breaks. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, I've got a bell ringing in my head right now. <laughs> uh, when I worked for publicly held corporate America, I never took a break. Okay. It just, it, it wasn't feasible. It, and, and granted that was my choice. Okay. But I was constantly being told, you know, look at, you have two 15 minute breaks. You have to take them. Yeah. It's like, okay, fine. You know, forget about customer service right now. <laughs> But, you know, I, I think that ounce of prevention is, you know, something that every hotelier, every business needs to look at. And it, are, are you helping them craft their employee handbook? Do you have? We do. Yeah. So you're, you're going through what has been. SOP, standard operating procedure, what they've been doing, right, wrong, or indifferent, and showing them the way to lessen the possibilities of, of a lawsuit by crafting that, that employee handbook. Am I right on that? Correct. So we actually start our process with a questionnaire. And okay. the questionnaire lists about 30 questions in relation to their current policies and procedures. From there, we review that and then have a consultation with the hotel owner as to things that they may not be doing right. And then things, of course, that they're doing correct that we will include in the employee handbook. handbook. Okay. And, and that makes a lot of sense. And I like the way that you put that in order. Let's deal with what could possibly be an issue or not the proper way first. Let's have that hard discussion first and then let's slide into here this is what you are doing right keep this up give them the compliments give them the reassurances that they want to hear because they've just been through lack of a better term uh you know a, a beating because they were doing things wrong that they may not have known you know just hey you know this is the way i am so i think everybody does it this way but that's not necessarily true or correct. So I like the idea that you're getting in there and, and crafting that book with them. Now, is there a lot of variation from a select service to a destination resort because you've got so many more moving pieces with the destination resort or is it 90% the same thing? I would say it's about 80% the same thing. With the larger hotels, there ends up necessary being a lot more protocol in place and steps. So for example, if we take 
you know, a, a harassment complaint and what the procedure would be if an employee wanted to file a complaint, that usually ends up being a bit more of a detailed process at a larger hotel than it yeah. would be at a smaller property because they can go to their direct supervisor and nine times out of 10, that's the hotel owner. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Let's talk about franchise relations. That's getting to be a little bit of a burn your fingers subject in some areas. Uh, you know, I, you know, I, I go back probably, I know for sure over 20 years with your parents. So it's probably closer to 25, 27. And I've been hearing the same buzz phrase the entire time. And that's, you know, the fair franchising. And it seems to rescind a little bit, but then it comes back. And I don't know if there's a lot of progress made with that. So what are you seeing with franchise relations right now? I, you're an owner operator. You are an attorney. Um, you know, What's what's that like for the average owner right now? So right now, there is a lot of communication being thrown out regarding franchise relations. And frankly, the franchisees are, are fed up. They're disgruntled. And I think the biggest reason for that are the liquidated damages. Franchisees feel that they shouldn't have to pay such high liquidated damages when they clearly have reasons for why they are looking to get out of a franchise agreement. And right now I'm seeing a lot of people complaining that at least in the economy brand sector, they are not seeing enough distribution from brand.com to the hotel. And I've seen, I, I, the first thing I ask my clients when they come to me saying, we want to terminate because we're not getting enough reservations from brand.com is please send me your distribution report. And what I'm seeing is that franchise is giving about five to 10% and contributing five to 10% to the revenue and occupancy of the property while OTAs are providing 40% of contribution. And on top of that, local business, people that are walking in who know the property, contacting the hotel directly, that accounts for another 40-50% of contribution. So hotel owners are saying, why are we paying the brands for 5% of our business, why don't we just convert to an independent property, list our property on OTAs, and that way we're not paying any royalties and we're still paying our commission to the OTAs, but at least now we're not paying the royalties on our top line revenue number, which brand.com isn't really contributing much to. I, I got to agree with you on that. Now, my philosophy has always been if I've got a brand, it, it, it needs to give me a 30% res contribution. And that isn't always possible for a plethora of reasons that I'd have you in the studio for hours just going <laughs> over that. Um, but, you know, the, the idea of the indie hotel, 
uh, I think has certainly gained more traction because of OTAs, because of third-party re, um, rewards programs and, and various other things. Now, when I was the, the CDO with a boutique company, we had rewards, okay? It was a third party, so we, we had that. Um, so that was, you know, were we going to compete head to head with, with, um, one of the big four companies? No, but we had something there and that, that appeased them. And I saw this firsthand with your parents down in, in, you know, San Diego, when a hotel is hitting on all eight cylinders, it's part of the community. And, you know, I've got a small beach house and my brother's not married. My sister is married and has three children. I don't have the infrastructure for everybody. I don't. So who's staying at the hotel? And the hotel is base camp. And that's where we have our meals. Unless we're barbecuing at the house. Um, you know, that's where we, we all gather. We'll have, you know, cocktails, any number of things going on at the hotel. Plus, you know, we've got a part of our party staying there. And I think that, you know, we're always the first ones to take in the firefighters when they're coming off the line or we're taking in people that are displaced because of a flood or a fire or any number of things. But having that hotel there that is that second, third or fourth bedroom and also part of the community and working with the local governmental agencies, whether it's the city council or the mayor's office and helping with charitable donations on that's always been part of hospitality we we take people in we take care of them and we give back to our communities um so I, you know I, I liquidation damages have, have really you know been a been a horrendous thing across the board and i i i fear that you know we've still got a few years of that to to, to deal with before there's something a little bit more fair for both sides now when I was with this boutique company, you know, we'd, we'd have a, a minimum contract for five years of managing the hotel. Now, if it was a ground up, um, we would give them an exit hatch um, 12 months after we proved the performa, okay, because we went through all the pre-construction, construction, pre-opening, opening. And, you know, we wanted that year to prove the performa and, you know, hit our targets. Um, but I, I, I think, you know, I, I don't know if we would ever get that with a franchise agreement. And, you know, there's just so many things out there. I mean, that's got to, correct me if I'm wrong, is that going to be a cornerstone of your practice for the next five years? So franchise agreements, of course, has been, a huge part of our practice for the last five years. And I think it will continue to be. And, you know, I'm not one to sit here and blame the franchisors for all of the issues that are happening. Right. right. There's a large part of this responsibility that falls on the franchisees themselves. And frankly, the franchisees, the majority of them are not reading what they're signing. And, you know, everyone's optimistic and very positive when it comes to signing up the deal. But when it comes to termination, everyone starts to ask some questions. They start reading the agreement then, and they're confused as to why the things are the way they are. But you never asked the questions initially. And now we're stuck in this 100-page franchise agreement 
that no one read. And right. the terms that we looked at were the main things, right? Royalty fees. Maybe yeah. you looked at the AOP. But that's about it. Sad though, yeah. It, frankly, you can't come to us and it's not a surprise that you have to pay liquidated damages at that point because one, did you try to negotiate those at all? Or yeah. did you just sign the agreement thinking everything would be okay? Well, and, and, and that's it. You've got to read every word of the documents. I mean, I, you know, I, the other one that I'm going to put up there with importance of reading is, is your loan documents. You've got to understand your loan covenants. Okay, you've got to know what items that you can try and I hate to use the phrase retrade the lender on or the franchise agreement. Uh, but there's certain items there that you know that there, there's some give on and you 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 get a victory. They get a victory. Everybody's feeling good and going into it on the front end, feeling that this is the best deal negotiated because everybody reads their documents and you know I, I, you know it, it, it's it's like a construction loan okay you know are you afraid to talk to them about the continuing guarantees can you hit certain milestones and certain guarantees burn off it's i mean there's there's a whole everything is negotiable but you got to read the documents <laughs> And when getting into the agreement, that's when you have the most leverage. Right. When we're trying to terminate, we don't really have any leverage at all unless you've got a very good reason as to why you want to terminate, which 95% of the time it's just we want out. That's just not going to be sufficient. And so, like you said, we need to read every sentence of those agreements. And there's a lot of things that are being thrown into those franchise agreements because the franchisors know now that the franchisees aren't reading it. I mean, even right now with the first right of refusals that are getting added into these franchise agreements, it is absolutely ridiculous that a franchisor should have a first right of refusal on your property. Yeah, yep, they do. <laughs> how, how things have changed. How about some myth busting? What myths are surrounding attorneys, especially on the deal side? Let's start there. And... You know, what what myths can you bust for our audience? You know, that, you know, just, you know, it's that's not right or it's partially correct or, you know, let, let's clear up some myths that people have about about attorneys and transactions first. What do you what do you think? So I think the biggest myth that people have with attorneys getting involved on transactions is that bringing in an attorney is going to complicate things. It's going to delay things. It's going to cause issues between buyer and seller. And that's just frankly not the case. Instead, the attorney is advocating for the interests of their client. There are many things that don't get inputted into a PSA or an LOI and get overlooked. And if an attorney can insert those provisions to protect you, then I don't see any consequence to that. And rather, when an attorney is involved, especially if there's an attorney on either side, it actually makes things a lot more efficient because everyone's on the same page, we're all talking the same language, 
and were able to get all of the terms on paper as per the wishes of our clients in an expedient manner. So I think that attorneys complicate things really is not the case. It's actually the exact opposite. And I've seen that time and time again, where, you know, our clients, once they have one experience of handling a real estate transaction and having an attorney represent them, they do it time and time again, because it does just make life that much easier for them. And they're not having to take that responsibility on themselves. I couldn't agree more with you. I, you know, if you look at it and you're the buyer and you don't have legal representation, you're doing yourself a disservice. Everybody else has an attorney, at least one. Okay. Uh, that could be the phase one people, you know, mechanical engineers, everybody else out to serve. They've all got attorneys. Okay. They all know what the verbiage is. Title and escrow all have attorneys. Your lender is so lawyered up before you even walk in the door, okay? The franchise agreements, okay? The, the franchisors have got attorneys. So do yourself a favor. It does not slow down the process, okay? <laughs> you, you are really, uh, you know, I mean, those are the deals that I've dealt with in the past where there's always been the maximum amount of brain damage is when somebody doesn't have an attorney and they don't understand something if they even read the agreement. Uh, and then they're coming back to you to advise them on it. And it's like, I don't feel comfortable doing that. I'm not an attorney. Do I know real estate? Yes. Okay. Do I understand real estate? Yes. But for me to give you my opinions on something that I'm trying to get you to sign, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and it's amazing uh, to think as well that, you know, the franchisor, the lender, everyone has their own attorney. They're yep. giving you a contract to sign. Yet yeah. you think it's going to be in your interest to sign this and and every all the provisions are going to be just equally beneficial to both parties? I I I can't understand that logic for the for the life of me, but it I will tell you whoever's drafting the contract, it will be primarily in their favor. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Pooja, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to move on to our lightning round. World famous or infamous? I don't know. But <laughs> we're going to do our lightning round. Producer Danny's going to put two minutes on the clock. And right. your association, just the first thing that pops into your head. And you got to do this in less than two minutes. Okay? You got it. All right. Starting now. Hotel transactions. Complicated. Conferences. Social networking. Grand opening. Positive. What band, group, or solo artist in music do you like the best? Hmm. Oh, that's tough. I'm going to go with Taylor Swift. There you go. Favorite airport? John Wayne. Good answer. <laughs> Favorite airline? <laughs> Southwest. Aisle or window? Window. Favorite law school? Loyola, Chicago. Nice. Tequila or whiskey? 
tequila. Favorite hotel or resort? I'm going to go with the town and country resort. Nice. You did that with 46 seconds left. <laughs> congratulations. Not that you're winning anything, but congratulations. <laughs> we only had one person go over, over the two minutes. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, let me, last question. Leadership. What do you want the hotel community to know about you and your law firm? Allow us to be your educational resource. We have tons of information, whether it's on the transactional side or the litigation side. We've got policies, protocols, SOPs, and even just checklists that you can use to ensure that you're legally compliant and that you're mitigating your risk of liability as much as possible. I am a phone call away and I'm happy to consult with anyone. I'm not one of those attorneys who bill you for every minute that I speak to you. So please take advantage and I'm happy to discuss anything legal on your mind. Perfect. So now how about a shameless plug? How can people get a hold of you? So you can visit us at dpalaw.com. You can contact us at 760-DPA-0007. And you can email us at info at dpalaw.com. Again, we're open 24-7. I take calls weekends and even nighttime because I understand that operations has 24-7 uh, issues and need yep. questions answered. And we even have um, a WhatsApp subscription model where we have a live chat that you can become a part of. And anytime you've got a question or any of your fellow hoteliers have a question, they post it in the group chat and we respond uh, within an hour at Love. the most. And usually within a couple minutes. So please utilize that service. I love it. That's a great idea. And you're not just the next gen of hoteliers and attorneys, but you're the now gen. So you're, you're using technology that other firms aren't using. So I love that idea. I, I just think, I think it's great. I mean, obviously it's informative, broad-based answers, not, you know, you've got some little factoid of what the scenario is, but, you know, it's, it's worth putting it out there so that you can answer and then hopefully have that conversation and do a deeper dive into whatever the scenario is. I, I love it. Definitely. I mean, even just everything from, we just had a client post a question this morning about what we're installing uh, video cameras with audio. What kind of signage or documentation do we need to put up or have employees sign? And immediately I was able to send them a picture of the signage that they need and the agreement that they need uh, employees to sign. So we are pretty specific and they're pretty specific with their questions. Uh, just a matter of asking and WhatsApp is a text away. I love it. Pooja, thank you so much for joining the conversation. You've got an open invitation to come back on Click Connect anytime you'd like to. Thank you. It's such it's a pleasure being here and I appreciate you having such a platform again to educate fellow hoteliers.
It, it's our pleasure. Thank you. I can't wait to see you soon. And thank you for joining us for Click Six this year as well. Thank you. Thanks, Craig. Take care. Great show, folks. Thank you for joining us today. Give Pooja a call. Talk to her about your hotels. Talk to her, see how she can help you. Um, you know, we're bringing you the industry leaders. And it's just such a great conversation. This is just the beginning. So make sure you, you give them a call and say hi to Pooja for Danny and I when you give her a call. And also, hey, thank you for joining us today. And I got to thank our production partners. They're just simply the best. Give our friends at Red Roof Franchising a call. Matt Hostedler, their team's going to do 50 deals this year. You're going to hear a lot about Red Roof. You know what? Give them a call. You need a soft brand. You need an extended stay brand. You need an economy brand. Give Matt a call. He's got a team coast to coast that can help you. And please let him know that producer Danny and I sent you. And then I, like I keep preaching, every deal is critical. Your real estate transaction, whether it's a loan, a construction, you know, a, a sale, an acquisition. Hey, maybe you're doing a hotel enhanced mixed use development with a condominium. Okay. Chicago title, national commercial services group, California can help you with that. They've got a specific hotel team. That's all they do. And I got to tell you, I've used them. I've got friends that have used them. It's, yeah, they're, they're putting a service together for our community that is second to none. So let Ryan Huntsman, Steve Semft, and also Stephanie Zappalak know that you heard about them from us and that you, you're giving them a call, producer Danny and Craig sent you, okay? Thank you very much. And remember, be kind, share your knowledge. Now go be amazing.